Welcome to the podcast of Leeds First Methodist Church. We are so glad you decided to tune in with us today. The following sermon was preached by Pastor Chris, and it is the last sermon in our church's On Earth as in Heaven series. If you would like to watch the entire worship service, you can do so by visiting our website at leadsfirst.org, and at the top of the page, go to Worship and click Online Worship. My name is Chris Stallings. It's my privilege to get to be pastor here at Leeds First Methodist Church. We're in the finale of our series entitled On Earth As It Is in Heaven. When Jesus was teaching his disciples to pray in what we now call the Lord's Prayer, he says, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And when we think about that, it may feel like a strange thought, right? If you've looked around on this crumbling and broken earth. I think about heaven being a part of that, but that's what God wants for his followers is to bring heaven to earth through your life, through your witness. And so we've been guided by this key verse from Matthew 6, 10. It says, may your kingdom come soon, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so each week we've looked at a, a characteristic of following Jesus that helps do that bit by bit. Sometimes it's just a little bit, but bit by bit into this broken and fallen world. Today in our finale on earth as it is in heaven, living for Christ, living for Christ. This week on Friday and Saturday, I got to go with my daughter for another college visit those are fun, but man, there's long trips in those. This one was to Valdosta, Georgia, which is a ways away. If you're here in the spring, it's getting closer than those trips to New York. So thanks God for that. But it's still like a five or six hour drive. And so we were leaving Friday morning and deciding exactly what we're going to do for the day. And we said, well, let's just eat a little breakfast here at home like at the house, and then when we get there, we eat a late lunch, early dinner. And so we were gathering up oatmeal or cereal or bagels or whatever and eating those things. And I was making my breakfast, you know, like, got a great idea. It's going to be a long road trip. I'll make me a nice thermos of coffee for the road trip. How many of y'all know I love coffee? Write this down. I love coffee, right? And so I was like, that's going to make the trip awesome. So I made it extra strong, put it on brew on the Keurig. We loaded up the car, left just on time. Oh, it was going good. And about 30 minutes down the road, I reached for my coffee mug. And we were driving my wife's car, and so I thought, well, maybe I just put it in a different spot because it's not what I'm used to. And so I looked in the other cup holder, and it wasn't there. And then I think, well, they're just being a little smart, Alex, with me. And I said, what'd y'all do with my coffee mug? And they're like, not it. I said, come on, game's over. Where's my coffee mug? Not it. And we soon realized, or assumed, it was still back home under the Keurig. Hot and ready, but not with me. And it ruined my trip. Oh, it was awful. Did y'all know I love coffee? 
And it was the worst college visit ever. I forbid her from even going to that school. Right? Off at room a day, the traffic was awful. The, you know, and it was partly because I didn't have coffee. Anybody in the room know that feeling, right? So it's partly because of that, although I'm not addicted to it, I swear. But it was part of the frustration having this great plan and then it just kind of unravel. And when we get on the road, the only choice was to turn around or to stop at some gas station for coffee. But anyway, I think sometimes our lives can be filled with things like that, right? Disappointments let down, we have the best plan and it just doesn't come together. Maybe you've had a day like that. Anybody? Or a week? Or a month? or a year, or a decade, or a life, right? It just feels like we got all these good plans, and then sometimes they just come unraveled. And there's a time whenever we're thinking it's more than just meh, right? Like, I didn't get enough coffee today. It's like hardship, like real stuff. And it can distract us, or even help us, or make us miss the purpose of it all. It can be compounded if you have the expectation that if I'm following Jesus, somehow I'll be rich and have everything I need, right? Like you may have heard of that false doctrine of the prosperity, like if you'll just do right, that you'll have all the money, right? Or even that if you'll just do right, everything will work out for you in your favor, right? And so... That may be the case. I know some of y'all are super blessed, but it may not be the case. You may be super faithful in following Jesus and stuff still messes up. It may move from meh to actual hardship. And we're not alone in those circumstances. You saw all the hands raised in the room, right? We had a bad week, a month or year, a decade even. And we see that in the Bible, it's in those moments, in those kind of existential moments where it's get down to the core of what is it I'm holding on to. We must decide, are we living for ourselves and it to go good or are we living for Jesus? Some of those moments can drive us even to a crisis in our life or even of faith or they can sometimes help us to gain clarity of the purpose for which God created us in the beginning. And so let's look now to a scene like that in the Bible. If you've got your Bible, I invite you to open it on your app or if you've got a physical Bible or to turn it on. We're going to look to the New Testament book of Philippians. Philippians. This question, for whom are we living? For ourselves, for others, or for Jesus? As you're finding it, Philippians is a letter, or we'll sometimes call those epistles, e, epistles, and it's written by the apostle, a, apostle Paul. If you want to get a little bit of the backstory of the church at Philippi, the city of Philippi, Paul went there in the book of Acts chapter 16 and he started a church in a mostly Roman territory and they converted their, their faith and that was around the middle of the first century around 50 AD. 
And now we find this letter being written back to the church about 10 years later, about 60 AD. And Paul's writing to them from, get this, a prison cell in Rome. So he's in jail and he's thinking about his people back in Philippi. Paul's writing to first assure them or maybe reassure them of his circumstances. Like God's got me, right? It's rough, but God's got me. I mentioned it's rough, right? He's also doing it to commend the leader that's going to deliver the letter. And he's also writing this letter to the church in Philippi that we call the Philippians, the book of Philippians. To encourage the Philippians because they're oft to be persecuted themselves. They were kind of stand out because they were Christians in a Roman culture. And so we're going to dive into this letter in the first chapter of Philippians where Paul is addressing their concern for him. And we'll begin reading in verse 21. Philippians chapter 1 verse 21 will go down through 30. If you want to follow along, I'm reading the New Living Translation, the NLT, if you want to follow along word for word. Philippians 1, 21 reads, For to me, living means living for Christ, but dying is even better. Whew. But if I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ. So I really don't know which is better. I'm torn between the two desires. I long to go and be with Christ, which would be far better for me. But for your sakes, it is better that I continue to live. Knowing this, verse 25, I am convinced that I will remain alive so I can continue to help all of you grow and experience the joy of your faith. And then I come to you again. You will have even more reason to take pride in Christ Jesus because of what he is doing through me. Verse 27, above all, you must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. Then, whether I come and see you again or only hear about you, I will know that you are standing together with one spirit, with one purpose, fighting together for the faith, which is the good news. Don't be intimidated in any way by your enemies. This will be a sign to them that they are going to be destroyed, but you are going to be saved even by God himself. For you have been given not only the privilege of trusting Christ, but also the privilege of suffering for him. Verse 30, we are in this struggle together. You have seen my struggle in the past, and you know that I am still in the midst of it. This is the word of God for the people of God. And we say, thanks be to God. Well, verse 21, Paul says, for me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. Now, some of us come to faith in Jesus basically for that gain or to overcome the fear of the consequences of not following Jesus, right? So at some point in our life, we've come to realize that we're not going to live forever. And we come to realize the truth of there's a heaven after life and there's a hell after life. And out of fear of hell, we say, Jesus saved me from that. And so we follow Jesus out of necessity of what it means to die and go to hell and avoiding that. Now Paul has come full circle from that 
He's come to the realization that the promise of heaven, and he's beginning to question whether it's worth even staying on earth because heaven or being with God would be so good. Both from the aspect of the gloriousness of heaven and from the aspect of it just got real when you get arrested, right? When you get thrown into prison, when they don't take care of you, it's not a good life. And so he's struggling with this. Come on, God, I've gone all in. Wouldn't it be easier for me just to come on up? He ultimately wrestles this decision to ground in verse 24. It's best for everyone, for God's purpose, for others, and even for himself to fulfill God's purpose in his life. That he will remain. It's God's will to bring heaven to earth. And through Paul's ministry, that includes him staying even through the hardships. Let's look now at this passage in more depth to see why and how to live for Christ. Even whenever it doesn't feel like it's working out. If you've got a worship bulletin, I invite you to take it out. Or if you texted here, you can open that app. It'll follow along with these points. You can take notes. You might remember them and apply them into your life. Number one, living for Christ to bear heaven's fruit. To bear heaven's fruit. Verse 22 says, but if I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ. Paul recognizes that the meaning of his life is found in his fruitfulness for God's kingdom. In this, if you look around the earth, if you look around, that's all that's going on. This statement I'm about to say may resonate with you. This world is not my home. Anybody ever said that or heard that? Sometimes that feels good, right? To know this world is not my home. Oh my goodness, can, I've just come to expect that now, right? Like you've seen evil, you've seen corruption, you've even been a part of it where it's come crashing down around you. Seeing all that's crumbling around you, that statement, this world is not my home, may offer some reassurance. But if you have the mindset of escapism, like I'm just trying to get through until I can get out of here, you're going to miss the point and the purpose of living for Christ on earth. You'll miss the fruit that God wants to bear in your life and through your life into a crumbling world. You see, until God calls you home to heaven or calls us all home to heaven, God intends for you to be a part of putting the pieces of a broken world back together. That's part of what God is calling us to do as a church. It's beyond the scope of this sermon to get into that theology or the depth or the depth of that theology here. But that's part of what the church does is to exist for a time such as this that we may be present to be a light of Jesus into a broken world. If all the light of Christ was gone, heaven help the world. And so if it reassures you, you're welcome to use that statement. This world is not my home, but don't live a life where I'm just trying to get out of this world. 
because you'll miss the fruitfulness that God wants to bear in your life and through your life. If not for you, if not for the church, who will bring the light of Christ into this world? Living for Christ to bear heaven's fruit. Number two, living for Christ to endure hardship. Living for Christ to endure hardship. That's what everybody raised their hand for, right? Those meh days or those, woo, not again days. Listen to this, verse 23 and 24 read, I'm torn between two desires. I long to go and be with Christ, which would be far better for me, but for your sakes, it's better that I continue to live. If you think about knowing and growing to be like Christ, sometimes you may say, man, I just want the instant pill. You know what? Like, I just want, if, if that's your goal, which I hope it is, is to become more and more like Christ, most of us would be like, I just want to be there. Or like we talked about in the previous point, sometimes we just say, I just want to be there, like get to heaven, right? But I at least want to get to being like Christ. I don't want to have to go through what it takes to be there. Well, if you think of your life as a pitcher of water or a glass full of water, even when you're living well, let's say your, your, your pitcher's all cleaned up, right? It's a clear, pure glass of water. If I ask you, not many of you would say, oh, that's my favorite drink, a glass full of water. Is it? Is anybody just like, I love the taste of just clear water? All right, we've got some people that have just lied to themselves. You would much rather have something with some flavor in it I bet. But anyway, it's okay if you really just love the taste of it. But most people, right? That's why they sell and all, all these drinks. So if you think about that, it's pretty meh, right? Water. Now think of a, imagine that's your life, that glass full of water. You're like, eh, meh. It's clean. It's not bad. Think of a, y'all know the fruit lemon? Little yellow lemons. Yeah, anybody? Know that? It looks beautiful, doesn't it? Like, I can remember as a kid wanting to just eat one up. Anybody ever thought that? Anybody ever done that? It don't take long to know. Ah, right? I wish I could make the face you make. Ah, right? It's like it hurts. It's so sour. If you take a whole lemon in there, right? Now, imagine that lemon's the hardships of life. That's pretty. But if you'll take your glass full of water that's kind of meh, and the lemon that's kind of sour and harsh and everything, but if you use the right proportions and maybe mix in a little sweetener and stir it up just right, on the other side of that, you got some delicious lemonade. I don't know if anybody likes lemonade, but imagine that's any other goodness, right? It's pretty good. Flavorful. Mmm. Imagine your life. A glass of water. The hardships of life as lemon. That's where they get this saying, when life gives you lemons, make lemonade, right? Well, that's a little bit like following Jesus. 
You're not just supposed to live in a way that's pure and clean, which you are, but you're also supposed to become more like Christ, and the hardships are the things that do that. And you're thinking, oh, that hardship is just like that sour lemon, but in the right proportion, and stir it in with God's will and God's Spirit, God in your life. On the other side of it, it's the lemonade that is your following Jesus, living for Christ, life. Right? Now hear this. God does not cause the evil in the world. But there's not a circumstance God can't use to show his goodness. To demonstrate his mercy. To pour out his grace. And so when you're facing a hardship, instead of just saying, oh, no, another lemon. Ask God, what do you want to do with this hardship in my life? God, is there something you want me to learn about me in this hardship in my life? God, is there something you want me to learn about you in this hardship in my life? God, is there something you would teach or help me about being helpful to others through this hardship in my life? And whenever we'll approach life like that, We'll see that our purpose isn't gone just because we forgot our coffee that day or the real hardships come. Stay focused and know that living for Christ helps us to endure those hardships. Number three, living for Christ to make the gospel known. Living for Christ to make the gospel known. Verse 27, or at least a portion of it, says, Above all, you must live as Christians, oops, excuse me, citizens of heaven, conducting yourself worthy of a manner of the good news about Christ. It's in those hardships that Christ, that Jesus invites us make his name known, to become an ambassador for the kingdom of heaven in this earthly fallen kingdom. Paul says in verse 25, that I've decided that I'm going to continue so that I can be a help to all of you as you grow and experience the joy of your faith. Through enduring, living a life that follows Jesus is to make Jesus' name known, or the gospel known. We can't just get ourselves all cleaned up and just sit here and wait. Now, part of our, our journey is to clean up our act, right? We can't continue living in sin and say we love Jesus. Jesus says, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. And so, part of it is to clean up our dirty pitcher of water. But part of it is to make Christ known. Some of you may know, this is not a time for jokes, so this is not a dialogue, this is me talking monologue. Some of you may know I went to Auburn. Shh. I'm talking to the Auburn people and y'all can listen, okay? There were a few years that we've struggled to achieve what we'd hope in football. Right? We all blame anybody that's associated with the coaches, whatever. And they brought in some new coaches, and some of the people that are involved in high school football coaches and players, 
that when those new coaches came, they said, we almost forgot that y'all were still playing football down there because we never heard from the former coaches. I don't know if that's true or not. It makes sense, right? But when they started going and say, hey, we'd like to have you. Hey, we're doing something down here. They started getting some interest. They started getting commitments. They started actually signing players to play again. They had to be ambassadors for the school, for the program, for the team. Invite people to be a part of that. Church, too many of us are just sitting somewhere in the church just saying, well, I got my water cleaned up. I've dealt with a few of the lemons. But I ain't going out and inviting nobody. I'm not going out and living for the gospel. I may, I may give up a sin or two. I may even do a little good. But I'm not going to go be an ambassador for Christ. And Christ says, I need more than you being an ally. I need you to be an advocate for the kingdom work. Some of you need to grab your faith by the horns and quit fancy footing your faith and start living as an advocate for Christ. Some of you are hiding. And God says, I need you to get out there. We're like Paul in that way. Our citizenship is in heaven. We're ambassadors in this world. This world is not our home. But we do love the people in it. We do want them to be connected to Christ while they're here. We are representatives of Christ on earth. Heavenly ambassadors. Not merely living to avoid trouble. Not merely living to do some good. But to be an advocate that people might know and experience the truth of Jesus. And have their lives transformed by that. Transformed by that, that their eternity destined for hell is now destined for heaven. Guys, it's important stuff. Folks that don't know and repent and believe, but their faith in Jesus go to hell. Our work, the church's work, is to make Christ known. As many people as we can to share that truth. Invite them to the good news, the life-transforming news in that name of Jesus. We are ambassadors for Christ, living for Christ, recruiting for Christ. Because there's no place like the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. Let's pray. God, thank you so very much for the blessing of Jesus and for the good news. God, I pray that you would pour out and pour into us that good news. God, I pray that you would give us strength. That you would give us wisdom. That you would show us your purpose in the hardships. And God, in those times, continue to transform us. That we may be ambassadors for the name of Jesus on earth as it is in heaven. It's in Jesus' holy name I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We would love for you to visit us in person at 8.45 a.m. for modern worship or at 11 a.m. for traditional worship. If you would like to plan a visit, simply text the word CONNECT to the number 205-772-4906 and you'll be sent a link to get you started. 
Thanks again, and God bless.